How many of you how many of you get boxes like this in your mail? You get these? Amazon? How many of you buy stuff through Amazon.com? Isn't it great? I mean, we buy almost everything through Amazon. Uh, we're Amazon Prime members, so we pay extra to get free shipping. Is that how that works? That doesn't seem right. But we pay extra so we get free shipping. It is quick, it is convenient, it is easy, and the selections are endless. Have you ever seen pictures of the fulfillment centers uh, that Amazon has? Here's a picture of one of them. It just The aisles go on. They are huge. The, the job is nerve-wracking as individuals run all over that place filling our orders uh, for Amazon. And, and so they have a ton of stuff. In fact, they have so much stuff that you go on looking for one item and you end up searching and searching and searching and you start reading reviews. You read the reviews and do I want this one or do I want that one? Do I want this collar or do I want that collar? they got so many different items. In fact, let me show you this. I've already opened it to make sure it was the right item. So you go on Amazon.com and you go to order one of these. Does anyone have one of these in your home? Do you know how? No one? Really? Wow. You can borrow mine when I'm done with it. It's a back scratch. It's a back scratcher. No. That's a toilet brush. And just for the fun of it, I went on Amazon and I typed in toilet brush. How many toilet brushes do you think there are? How many different toilet brushes are there on Amazon.com? Best count I could do. Somewhere over, just over 3,000 different toilet brushes. Now this one has an ergonomic handle. It is also really cheap. There's more expensive ones. There's pretty ones. There's ones that will match the decor in your bathroom. They got ones with comfortable handles and bigger heads and they got extra cleaning things. This one's never been used, so I'm okay touching it. They got, you know, they probably got battery powered ones. I don't know. They got everything. But, but what occurred to me when I saw 3,000 different toilet brushes, it occurred to me that that means that at least 2,999 times some guy was sitting there and he was sitting there looking at the toilet brush and he thought to himself, I can do better. I can come up with a better one than that. You know, I can, I can find some way to improve on that. And Amazon sells them. They sell them all. So many, in fact, <laughs> that uh, an author, uh, a lady named Jane Porter, has come up with what she calls choice overload. We have so many choices that we just kind of freak out and we just kind of we, we get paralyzed from choice. So many choices that we just give up. And it's a symptom of the world that we live in, a world with too much stuff, what we call the land of more. It's a symptom of that world. Now in comparison to us living in the land of more, you realize there are 2 billion people on this planet. 2 billion people who are living on $2 or less a day. $2 or less a day. How can there be such a wide difference between us and them? And Part of the problem is, we don't see the difference. We don't appreciate the difference. This past week in my Tuesday email, I asked you, to go to a website called Global Rich List. Go, globalrichlist.com. Uh, 
Com. It's a very simple website. You plug in a couple of numbers. You tell them where you're from so they know what kind of money you use. And then you tell them what your net annual income is. Guys, you can ask your wives. My wife knew what ours was. I had no idea. But you plug those numbers in, and in a very simple way, it tells you how rich you really are. You know, of, of the entire population of the earth, what percentage of the richest you are. And, and in fact, how rich you are in comparison to everyone else. It will tell you you are the you know, six million, blah, 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 or six billion, blah, blah, or you know, how, you know, how much richer you are than everyone else. And then it compares your income with that of some of the poorest in the world. And I asked you to share your results with me and share your thoughts. I got a few responses on that. One person said, My goodness gracious, God has blessed me beyond belief. And I am sure that if I gave Him more control of my finances, the result would blow my mind. I feel amazed, ashamed, blessed, greedy, humbled, ignorant of my ranking, and motivated to give more and do more to God's work. Another person said, I am shocked and now feel more thankful and grateful than ever for every blessing. Another response said, I'm somewhat ashamed of ever complaining, even about my cracked cell phone. I don't know, who had a cracked cell phone this week? See, the thing is, we have too much. And when we have too much, we take too much for granted. So this week as we begin our series on too much, we begin with the principle of gratitude. Are we truly grateful for what we have? And do we truly acknowledge the source of all that we have? Do we see everything we own as a gift from God to be given back to Him? And there's a great example in the Bible of someone that came to that very understanding. We're going to be in John chapter 12 today, just verses 1 through 8. If you're using those Bibles in the pew, it is page 898 on those. If you're using your own Bible or your own tablet or your own phone, however you're using, uh, we'd love for you to, to be there and follow along. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. John writes, six days before the Passover. Jesus therefore came to Bethany. That's a town, by the way. Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there, and Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge over the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. And Jesus said, leave her alone so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. You know, in this story, we see two very different attitudes. On the one side, there's Mary giving her all, giving her very best to Jesus. And then on the other side, there's, there's Judas. What do these two and their attitudes show us? Well, Judas shows us that when greed guides our hearts, more is never enough. Judas sounds noble here, doesn't he? He sounds noble. He sounds very generous. He's, he's very concerned about the poor, isn't he? Well, 
John wants to make sure that we're not fooled by Judas's intentions. And so John spells it out in verse 4, but Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Judas had no interest in the poor. All he saw was what he could have, what he could take. That's what greed does to it. It eats at you. It steals your joy in giving. Not just your joy in giving, it steals your joy in watching other people give as well. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and he will love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And Judas proves this out all the way through the Gospel. His love for money just eats at him bit by bit until finally he sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. You think of all that Judas must have seen. He saw miracles. He saw Jesus raise the dead just one chapter earlier. He saw people healed. He saw them restored to life. He saw 5,000 people fed with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. He saw Jesus providing for thousands of people. And on top of that, he saw Jesus caring for the poor and loving them and treating them with respect and honor. But greed had blinded him to all of that, and all he saw was money being wasted. Money that he could have helped himself to. You can't serve both God and money. Jesus makes that plain in this passage, and history teaches us the same. And it's not until a person acknowledges their greedy nature that transformation can really happen. It's only then that we can really change, that we can find ourselves moving out of the land of more. And a big part of that journey is replacing greed with gratitude. That's what Mary shows us in this story. When gratitude guides our hearts, transformation is possible. One thing you can't miss about this story is how greed just kind of hangs like a stench in the room. I mean, it's there to kill the joy. It's there to to kill their excitement of being together with Jesus. It's there to kill the faith that they have and kill their service. It's just a rot. It, it, It rots our commitment to Jesus. But then Mary's gift of gratitude comes in and, and the aroma of that gift cuts through the stench. You see what he says in verse 3? The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Gratitude does that. It, it fills the house with fragrance. It overflows and fills everything. So why did Mary have this? Why did Mary have this jar of perfume? This jar of pure nard? Doesn't that sound great? Pure nard. Why did Mary have that? Well, they didn't use perfume the way you and I use our cologne or perfume or whatever it is that you're you know, covering up your sweat with. I mean, that was part of it, but uh, perfume was also used for other things as well. And, and this particular, this was a very expensive kind of perfume. It would come in a glass jar, and you would have to actually break the top off the glass to use it. And once you had opened it, you had to use it right away because it would go bad. This particular kind of perfume was used to anoint uh, dead bodies to keep the smell down. Really, it was done as a courtesy to the other mourners that would come to the cemetery. 
you would put your loved one in their tomb, you would anoint their body with that, and it would keep the stench down so the people who came to, to mourn their losses wouldn't have to smell your losses also. You think about what's just happened. One chapter before, back in chapter 11, we have the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Lazarus was Mary's brother. And Jesus raised him from the dead. And what was it that Jesus said to Martha, Mary's sister, right before He raised Lazarus from the dead? In in chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says to Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And He turns to Martha, Mary's sister, and says, do you believe this? And so here, we have Mary. And she takes the perfume. Perfume that she was likely saving for burial. Maybe her own burial. Maybe she was saving it for Jesus' burial. She takes this perfume and she anoints her feet. What's her gift saying to Him? Her gift is saying, I believe you are the resurrection and the life. Her faith told her she didn't need to save this nard for later because Jesus would meet her need. Her faith told her she could trust Him that her gift of gratitude was an expression of her faith and her trust in Him. Later in the New Testament, in Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is going to write in verse 15, "...and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Three times in those three verses, Paul has to remind us to be grateful to be thankful for what we have. It makes gratitude sound pretty important, doesn't it? It is. Gratitude is an indicator that we're growing in our faith. Being grateful is an indicator that we're growing in our trust to God, that we're truly putting our hope in Him. You see, gratitude is a reflection of our spiritual maturity. Back in the Old Testament, back in the law, back in Deuteronomy, God had to remind people uh, of the importance of gratitude. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, God says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments. How do we remember God? By keeping His commandments. By being obedient to Him. That is, for those of you that have started reading the book already, that's our skin in the game. right? That's what we do to express our faith. It is our skin in the game. And it's something important that we see over and over again in the book too much. You remember what we're learning here? Principles, biblical principles, when put together with daily practices in our own lives, principles plus practices produce real profit. The word profit means a a valuable return. What is a valuable return? What is profit? Well, you can think of profit in terms of money. You can think of profit in terms of wealth or that your, your investments are doing well. That's all profit. But how about this? How about a good night's sleep? Is a good night's sleep, is that a valuable return? Is that real profit to you? How about not being worried about how you're going to pay your bills? 
Would that be real profit for you? How about a marriage where you don't argue about money? That would be real profit. How about being stress-free? Would that be profitable to you? Yeah, I think that would be real profit. So that's why in addition to these messages, the messages cover the principles. We're going to spend Wednesday nights talking about the practices. You see, Mary Mary could have been very grateful for what Jesus had done for her. Mary could have been very grateful for Jesus raising her brother from the dead, but that gratitude did not become real until she put it into practice, until she did something with it. That's what we're doing with our Wednesday nights, and I hope you can join us for that. Everything we have comes from God. Everything we have comes from God and is owned by God, even even our very lives. Deuteronomy 8.11 was written because sometimes we forget that. In the land of more, we've forgotten that God is our provider. That He is the source of all that we have. So the first and essential part of our journey to financial freedom is a radical change in our attitude. We must willingly acknowledge that God is the source of all that we have. That He is sovereign over every part of our lives from our, all, the, all the money that we have to all that our money can buy. Not only has God given us the ability to earn, but He's given us opportunities to accumulate, opportunities to spend, and opportunities to give away. And our prayer has to become, Dear God, teach me to be grateful for what I have before time forces me to be grateful for what I had. That has to become our prayer. When Megan was a baby, 20-some years ago, our oldest, when Megan was a baby, um, we always carried a little container of Cheerios, a little Tupperware container of Cheerios around with us because she'd get fussy. Other, other parents did that too, right? You know, you always had that container of Cheerios because she'd get kind of fussy sometimes and she'd need a little snack, so we'd give her Cheerios. And I remember one time we were down here at the gym at a ball game and uh, Megan was sitting on my lap, and she's starting to get a little fussy. So we get out the container of Cheerios, and she's sitting there on my knee, and, and she was old enough that she was picking the Cheerios out and feeding them to herself. And, and, I, and she just kept sitting there, Cheerio after Cheerio. And I thought, I was kind of hungry. I was getting a little fussy. I was thinking, man, those Cheerios look good. They're the multigrain Cheerios, you know? We're not fooling around. Those multigrain Cheerios, they're all right. And so as she's feeding herself, and I'm holding her, I just opened my mouth. Sat there like a baby bird, you know? And she just keeps feeding herself. And pretty soon she looked up and, and she saw that my mouth was open. And she went and she looked at the Cheerio, she looked at my mouth, and she reached up and she stuck the Cheerio in my mouth. And I, I hugged her and I said, Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yum, 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 yum. And, and she had this big smile on her face, you know? She got to feed daddy. And so she'd, she'd eat a Cheerio and then she'd give me a Cheerio. And she'd, she'd eat a Cheerio and I'd get a wet slobbery Cheerio in my mouth, you know, just back and forth, you know, one after another. And, and she was happy, you know, she, she enjoyed giving to her father. She loved doing that. Let's contrast that with Connor, shall we? Connor. Connor likes snacks. I think it's pretty obvious to see that a healthy multigrain Cheerio is not going to satisfy Connor. Connor doesn't like Cheerios. Connor likes M&Ms. And so, every now and then, we buy a package of M&Ms and uh, 
and I share them with Connor. <laughs> By share them, I mean I give them to Connor. We'll open up the package and we put them in a bowl, you know, so he can have some M&Ms and and Connor, in, in, with that bowl of M&Ms, he, he grabs them by the fist. You know, my precious. You know, he's, he's got those M&Ms, and he's not going to share them with anybody. And, and he eats them by the fistful. I can sit there all day next to him. He will not feed me one M&M. He will never give me an M&M. I go, please. No, he won't give me a single one. He doesn't seem to realize that I bought those M&M's. Those are my M&M's and I am sharing them with him. And yet he won't even share just one. And he doesn't seem to realize that if I wanted to, I could stop buying M&M's and he would never have another M&M. And on the other hand, he doesn't seem to realize that if I wanted to, I could bury him in M&M's. I could open the floodgates of the M&M Mars Corporation and I could cover him in M&M's. More M&M's than he could ever eat. And yet, he will not share just one with his father. And you're thinking to yourself, that's because he's autistic. It's because he doesn't understand. I choose to believe it's because he's a jerk. Okay? He's a jerk. But let me ask you this. Which child best reflects your attitude towards what God has given you? Are you a Megan? <laughs> or are you a Connor? Are you like Megan? Do you have that joy in giving? Are you uh, have that joy of sharing what your father has provided for you? Or are you like Connor? It's mine! And you guard it with closely guarded fistfuls, refusing to share. Which of those two attitudes guides your heart? Is it greed or is it gratitude? And if allowed to grow, where will that attitude take you? Where will you end up if that attitude is allowed to grow? Connor's already standing. Let's stand together and pray. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, first of all, thank You. You have given us so much. So much that our gratefulness just pales in comparison with Your grace. And so, and yet our, our prayer is that as we grow in our faith, our gratefulness becomes a reflection of the faith and hope we have in You. Father, open our eyes this week to opportunities to express our gratitude. Opportunities to give, to share, to bless others. But knowing that when we do so, we're really giving out of the overflow of what you have received from you. So let us be gracious in our giving and gracious also in our receiving. Most of all, we thank you for the greatest gift we've ever received, life through your Son. And I pray that our thankfulness and our joy and our giving might point others to the gift that he has for them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.